worship just just pressing forward. It's, uh, it's a little taste of heaven. It really is. Uh, I'm, if you don't know me, I'm, uh, my name is Barry. I'm the pastor here, and, uh, and it's good to worship with you. If it's your first time with us today, a special welcome to you. We're so glad that you uh, decided to be with us today. Uh, if you are here for the first time, if you would do me a huge favor, in, in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that looks just like this, says connect on it. Would you take a minute to fill out some information about yourself? Uh, this just gives us an opportunity to connect with you. That's why it's called a connect card. We want to connect with you outside of Sunday, just give you a call or, or send you a note to say hello and, and just get to know you a little, bit, uh, a little bit more, maybe give you a bit more information uh, about the church. You can drop that in the offering basket when it comes down your aisle in just a minute, or you can take it to the back. In the back, there's a table and there's a sign that says welcome. You can stop by there and drop it there. Uh, and, and then if it is your first time, make sure to stop by that table. We have uh, a gift that we'd love to give to you uh, and just bless you and say thank you for being with us this morning. Also in the back of that same card for everyone this morning, there's a place for prayer requests and Thrive Stories. Uh, prayer requests, as, as Christy mentioned, we love to partner in prayer with whatever needs you have in your life. We believe in a God who answers prayer. He is mighty to save. He is, he is in the midst of the prayers of his people, and he wants to move on your behalf. And, and there's something powerful when we get to pray for each other. And so if you have any prayer requests, make sure to fill those out. You can also uh, fill out Thrive Stories. What's God doing in your life that, that you need to share, that you need to celebrate, and that we can celebrate with you? We'd love to hear those things as well and, uh, and hear what God is doing in the midst of our congregation. You don't have to fill that out on the card, though. You, there's another option. You can fill it out uh, online electronically on our app. Uh, we have our Thrive app. You can download it at Thrive Glendora uh, forward slash app. Uh, and, and there's place on there for you to fill out prayer requests uh, and write out Thrive stories as well as uh, you can listen to, to past sermons and then the sermon notes for the, the message this morning will also be available there. If you look at this green card that's in the seat back in front of you, there's instructions on how to access that. And also on the other side of that card, it's worth mentioning, um, our vision and our mission and our values, what we believe and, and, and kind of what guides us as a church is available on that same card. That's for you to take if you want to uh, grab that. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. We're going to continue our worship with our giving and our tithes and offering. I also want to mention this morning, next Sunday, we're starting a new series uh, entitled Teach Us to Pray. Teach Us to Pray is a statement that the disciples made to Jesus as they spent time with him. They heard him praying and they realized, we want to pray like that. And so they said to Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And so he does. And we're going to spend a number of weeks on the subject and really unpacking what it means for us as followers of Jesus to press in in prayer in various aspects of our life. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that, um, but maybe invite a friend, maybe invite someone to come join you. I think prayer is something that we recognize in the world that, 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 that's around us. We need more prayer. Amen? And so uh, you might be surprised how many people go, oh, I'd love to learn how to pray uh, more effectively. So invite a friend to be a part of that next week. Our money, our finances are a gift from the Lord. He blesses us, and he blesses us greatly. You know, we can, we can make this mistake sometimes, and we can look at what's in our hand or in our bank account and compare ourselves to other people and go, well, I'm not as blessed as that person is. See, but, but that's not the scale. That's not the measure. See, God, 
blesses us according to his grace in our lives and according to our need, according to what, what's happening in our lives. And, and, and so he entrusts to us and he provides for us right exactly what we need. Megan and I and our family for a season, uh, we lived full time in a travel trailer uh, by choice. It was, it was something we chose to do. And um, I filed my taxes that particular year. We lived by faith and raised support as we did some ministry and lived very simply. And that year I, I filed my taxes and my, my income that year was $13,000. Four kids and a dog. And we traveled. We went to 13 states that year, drove 35,000 miles. And I can, can I tell you right now, we never went hungry. We never ran out of gas. There were times where I had enough. It was, it was kind of like right now where gas is like four and a half, five dollars a gallon. It was like that a few years ago. Uh, there were times where we had to choose between, hey, are we going to put a full tank of gas in or are we going to buy some Taco Bell, which the $2 menu at Taco Bell was like our staple for a, a little while. <laughs> but, you, but we never went hungry. We never went without. And the other thing is that we paid off a credit card that year. Can I tell you, one of the lies of the enemy is for us to start comparing what's happening in our lives to what's happening in other lives. God knows what you need. And when we give, what we're doing is making a statement in our own lives and to the enemy and definitely a declaration to God to say, God, I trust you. No matter what the circumstances look like, I trust you. And that's why it's an act of worship. This is why our giving is a part of our worship to the Lord is to say, God, I honor you uh, with my finances. So can we pray this morning together? Lord, we thank you that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, that you love your kids. And so, God, we praise you for our thanksgiving. We pray this morning and we ask, Lord, that where there is limited budget and maybe some lack or maybe some stress over finances would you bring provision but more than provision would you bring bring peace and trust god we pray that any place where the enemy is having victory and in sowing doubt and fear that it would be undone in the name of jesus and that your voice and your spirit would minister in those circumstances. Lord, we pray for increase. We pray for raises. Lord, we pray for reduction in debt. And God, that your children would experience the fullness of what you have for them. So we praise you this morning in the midst of our giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's check out this video together.
as Blake said, we can't say it enough, and it's not a, it's, it, does, it doesn't even feel right to have a day, right? How many of you moms are going, hey, it's great to have breakfast in bed or have pre- breakfast prepared, but hey, maybe we could do it more than once a year. Can I get an amen? Yeah, there you go. But um, hope you're having a great morning so far. We're going to continue in the theme of honoring moms this morning. Uh, again, happy Mother's Day. And I hope that you've got a great day planned today and some, some fun things and relaxing and uh, a meal that doesn't involve dishes, whether that's someone else doing the dishes and the prep or going out or whatever that would look like. Um, you know, we recognize that we have moms in so many different seasons of life. Of course, you've got your moms who have infants in the home, and that's a special kind of special, isn't it? Right, especially that first little baby, and oh my goodness, just just the the changing that happens, changes that happen, and changing that happens as well, right? Then you get into the toddler years when all of a sudden everything that was like at arm's length and arm's height is now moved up to upper shelves, and uh, and and then you realize that you know there's that moment. Every season in parenting seems to have that moment. You're like, oh, I can't wait till they're. This happens, and then it happens, and you're like, oh, I miss the old days, right? And, and when your kids get mobile, and all of a sudden, they're able to move around and stand and grab stuff, and then you're like safety locking all of the, every cabinet in the house, and, and isn't it amazing? They're little Houdinis. They figure those things out. Like, there were some of those locks that I couldn't open that my kids were like, oh, you just do, I'm like, oh my goodness. And then, of course, the school years, that's a lot of fun. You get into homework and sports, and then, and then kids become teenagers. I, I remember distinctly one time someone had said to us when, our, when Mike, our oldest, turned 13, they, they did the whole, like, oh, I'm so sorry. And, and Megan and I said, you know what, we don't receive that. We, we loved and love the teenagers. We currently have three teenagers in our house, and we have had so much fun. Teenagers are a blast. So if you're a parent of little ones, look forward to it. It is a fun, fun season. Lots of work, a little bit of stress, but definitely a fun season. And then your kids may grow up and go into college, and uh, whether that's close by or far away, but you start realizing you're not going to have them in your home forever. That's a little bit of the stage that we're in as our kids are all in high school and college right now. And then, of course, to be the parents of adult children. The reality is you never stop being a mom, right? doesn't matter how old your kids are. You never stop being a mom. And I know for, in my case, my mom will, there'd be days that she just calls me and just says, hey, you've been on my heart. I've been thinking about you. How are you doing? I've been praying for you, which just means the world to me because that, that care and that touch of my mom in my life is such a blessing. I read a few things this week that I thought I would share with you. Uh, these are little funny statements that are either about moms or by moms. So the first one is this. Silence is golden unless you have kids. Then silence, silence is suspicious. <laughs> Some of you are living that reality right now. It's way too quiet in this house, and it's not nap time. What's going on? Uh, how about this one? I don't want to sleep like a baby. I want to sleep like my husband. <laughs> Sitting alone in the bathroom with the door locked and eating Nutella. How's your day going? 
I like this one. You're gonna miss, uh, you're, you are going to miss this someday, I tell myself as I step on Legos all the way to the bathroom. <laughs> and then finally, nothing is really lost until mom can't find it. <laughs> and I know that's true in our house. In fact, it's true of me asking Megan, hey, did you see this? And of course, she usually has because I left it somewhere. So, hey, we want to continue honoring moms. And that word honor is so, so important. It's not just lip service. We say a lot of words, don't we? There's a lot of things that come out of our mouths that we don't really think about or we'll just say kind of in passing. But when it comes to this word honor, it's such an important word for us to understand and grasp, especially in light of the kingdom of God. Honor is a huge part of God's heart, of his kingdom, and his desire for us in the way that we relate and interact with each other. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. The meaning of honor, the definition of honor as we find it in scripture uh, is this. It's to value, to esteem, to respect, to treat favorably, and to have a high regard for. To value to esteem, to respect, to treat favorably, and to have a high regard for. You know, it's as great as chocolate dipped strawberries are, they fall way short of the level of honor that we could bestow, right? Now, they're pretty good, aren't they? There's a good, for those, how many of you had, pretty good? Yeah, I, I tried one yesterday, I can't, I had I had to just make sure. No, they're so, they're so good, but they fall so short of, I mean, really, like what we would want to do so much more if we could, because we want to communicate that value and that esteem and to treat you favorably because of what your, your role is and how you serve in the way that you do as a mom. We see all throughout scripture that honor is an important idea in practice. In fact, honor is mentioned over 200 times in Scripture between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, and here's how we know in Scripture when things are especially important. It's repeated over and over and over and over again. And honor is just one of those words and one of those ideas and one of those things that we're called to practice that we see all throughout Scripture. We're, we're called to honor God, that we walk in a posture of honor before the Lord, that when we come before him, we come with, with honor, that we value and we esteem him in our lives. But you know this, that, that Hebrews tells us that God bestows honor on us, that God honors us. Isn't that cool? Okay, it's kind of cool. I think it's pretty cool <laughs> that God values you and esteems you and highly favors and regards you and, 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 and just has this favorable outlook about who you are. So God honors us. And then he tells us that we're supposed to honor each other, that in our relationships with one another, that we're called to honor one another. And this is especially true, as we'll read here in a moment, of, of parents and children and the way that parents would honor their children, but then that uh, children would honor their parents. So Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, in quoting the Old Testament, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, this is usually the place where parents go, amen, <laughs> oh, obey, 
It's a good thing. Wouldn't you just love if your kids obeyed just a little bit more, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it will go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. The Apostle Paul here is quoting Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, which this is the fifth commandment out of the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses that he then passed on to the children of Israel. It's the fifth commandment, but it's the first of the, the commandments that has a promise as it relates to our relationships with each other. It's not the first commandment with a promise out of the ten, by the way. The second commandment, as it's written, has a promise uh, attached to it. But the first four commandments relate to or have to do with our relationship with God, how we engage with God. And then, and then God shifts from uh, the, the, the first four to the next commandment, the fifth commandment, and he shifts into this mode where he's going, I'm going to address the way that you interact with each other, the kind of relationships you have with each other. And he starts with parenting. In fact, he starts with kids. He doesn't even address the parents. He says, honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. So important for us to catch that. Again, Paul is not paying lip service, and Moses is not just paying lip service, and you know, and he's not trying to water down this idea. He's 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 kind of plant, planting a stake in the ground, and he's saying this is essential for us to understand. See, Paul highlights both obedience and honor, and he says, "Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right." We understand even from Scripture that God says, I desire obedience over sacrifice, that obedience is an important part of our relationship with God. And it's amazing that how our relationships with people, especially with our parents, are reflective of how we come before the Lord. He says, obey your parents. But obedience, as, as important as it is, it's not the same as honor. Do you know that it is possible to obey and not honor? right? And all the parents are like, uh-huh, yeah, sure have seen that in my life. It's possible to obey and not honor. It looks like this, fine, I'll do it, but I don't want to. There's a story of a toddler who's screaming and shouting and won't sit down, and the mom's like going, you need to sit down, and finally the toddler sits down in the high chair and then makes the statement, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> There's nothing honoring about that. Yeah, we can carry that attitude into our adulthood, can't we? Fine, I'll do it. It's possible to obey and not to honor. And so Paul says, listen, you need to obey. This is essential as kids that we get this. But honor takes it a step further. See, you can disagree and not disrespect. You can disagree and not disrespect. Now, how many of you would agree that doesn't sound like the world we live in? We're not doing so hot when it comes to this one. You spend five minutes on any form of social media and you're going to realize disagreement today usually means disrespect. That if I disagree with you, I now have the right 
to use whatever tactic I choose to use to put you down, belittle you, demean you, and make myself look better and right in the situation. See, you can disagree and not disrespect. It's totally possible, and it's completely hinged to honor. We don't have to hurt, offend, degrade, ridicule, and mock those who don't have the same position as we do. And it starts when we're kids. It starts with our attitude towards our parents. See, we have a lot of grown-up children today. Adults who act like children because they never picked us up when they were supposed to in the right season of life. Of course, these are things that are best learned early on. Honor and obedience are best learned when you're a kid. And there's a few reasons for this, but there's, there's actually a scientific reason. It's called neuroplasticity. I've mentioned this before in previous messages. Neuroplasticity is this. It's the ability of your brain to assimilate information uh, more readily. And when you're a kid, especially younger than 10 years old, you have a higher degree of neuroplasticity. Your brain will take in information way more quickly than you will as an adult. And, and, and you see this, like how many of you as an adult have tried to learn another language, right? You spent like $400 on Rosetta Stone. And every time you see the box on the bookshelf, it mocks you, right? <laughs> And you're like, you go through, through, through you, you do as many of these lessons as you can, and then you're like, realize there's an app, so you get the app, and you try, and you try, and you try, and for some reason, it just won't stick. Maybe you're learning Spanish, and the most you can ever do is order in Spanish at a restaurant. But to, to, when it comes to being conversation, you're like, I can't. But you'll watch a kid, five, six, seven years old, who can be fully conversational in a new language in six months. Neuroplasticity. See, I can't even say the word. God has designed us so that when we are little, the things that are taught to us and the things that are imparted to us stick. They're readily absorbed into the mind of a child. See, the lessons learned as a child will last a lifetime, and the opposite is true. Things that are not learned or bad habits that are learned are really difficult to correct later on. Not impossible, but not easily done. And again, I think we could probably agree. We could probably all identify places in our lives where like, oh yeah, I know that's true. Proverbs 22, 6 says this, start off children on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Other version says, train up a child in the way they should go. The responsibility of a parent to shape and nurture and impart to a child those things that they don't just need for the moment, but they, they need for a lifetime. And there's a window of opportunity that we have as parents to do that, which is why I so appreciate moms. Now, it's not that we don't appreciate dads as well, but we recognize that moms and dads play very different roles in their kids' lives. As my kids are now in their late teens and early 20s, we're going to like look back and we realize there's seasons where our kids gravitate more towards mom. And then there have been seasons where they gravitate more towards dad. And I'm not talking about when they're like trying to manipulate and trying to put us against each other. That's, that's a whole nother thing, right? You know what I'm talking about. Hey, Dad, what did your mom say, right? And they're smart. I mean, these kids are so smart. 
No, I'm talking about those seasons where kids go, hey, I need, I need my mom. I need the nurture and I need the care. I need the gentle touch that will come from a mom. And of course, with a mom, there's a special connect that exists between a mom and a child versus a dad and a child just by virtue of the fact that the mom carries a child through pregnancy and gives birth to this child. There's a unique bond that exists there and there's a care that exists. That's why we talk about uh, the protectiveness of a mom. We talk about like the mama bear, right? Don't get in between a, a mama bear and her cubs. Like, don't mess with a mom's kids because you're going to see a different side of her come out, right? There's that nurturing part, and kids need that, especially in those early and formative years. God knows what our kids need, and he knew at the, the, the foundations of the earth as he formed and created Adam and Eve the, that the, the, the uniqueness of those roles would instill things into kids that they would need throughout the, the, the process of their lives. See, these early childhood things, these foundations that are laid as children are the things that everything else is built on, right? If you're familiar with counseling, one of the things that they talk about, a, a good counselor will sit with you and start talking about your childhood. Hey, let's talk about, and it's like the joke, right? Tell me about your mom. Tell me about your dad. Tell me. But the reality is those things that, that, that we grow up in have such profound impact, impact on the way that we live our lives. Again, by design, God's design. Malachi chapter 2 tells us in speaking of God's intent for marriage and him bringing the two together and making them one, he says, well, what is, what is the goal of this? He says, it is that they would produce godly offspring. Now, it's not the only reason God brings a man and a woman together, but it is a primary reason that, that a husband and a wife would raise up godly children and that there would be generations who would serve and fear the Lord. But we all understand this. It's an intentional process. It doesn't happen by accident. And it's an essential process. It's very difficult for someone else to step in and to fill the role that a mom and a dad would play in a child's life. So the Apostle Paul, in understanding this, honors a couple of moms. In fact, he honors a mother and a grandmother in Scripture, and we see him echoing the sentiment in the New Testament. In his second letter to Timothy, who was like a son in the faith to him, he honors honors uh, Timothy's grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. In 2 Timothy 1.5, he writes, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Here's this young man who Paul recognizes that these two women in his life had taken the command and the instruction of Proverbs 22 seriously. And they, they had raised him in the ways of the Lord. Timothy is one of the first second-generation Christians mentioned in Scripture. Much of the New Testament, we're hearing people come to, to faith in Christ for the first time. But Timothy is one of those who was born into a Christian home and raised up in the ways of the Lord from when he was a child. And, and Paul calls that out because it's important. And we agree, if it, if it made it into the Bible, it's probably important, yes. right? Lois and Eunice are important figures in Scripture. 
And Paul calls him out and he says, these two women had a faith in Christ and was so strong and they were so faithful in pouring it into you that I am persuaded that it now lives in you as well. We see the importance of faith being passed on from generation to generation in that form of that legacy. It's clear in his statement that he knew uh, Lois and Eunice personally. He couldn't have made this statement if, if he just had heard of them. But he makes a tie. He says, I've seen it in their lives. I've observed their lives, and what I observe in you is a reflection of what I observed in them. And Paul had pretty huge impact in Timothy's life. I think we can agree on that. And isn't it amazing that Paul doesn't take all the credit Listen, Timothy, you turned out the way you did because I am an amazing mentor in your life. He gives honor where it is due. He says, your mom and your grandma are the ones who started this journey. And in fact, at this moment, the faith that I'm seeing in you isn't just a result of what I have done. It's a result of what was sown into you as a child. And I honor them and I recognize the partnership that exists. As moms, can I encourage you? You are in partnership, not just with your child right now, but you are in partnership with everyone down the road who will have a voice in their lives whether you know them or not. Right now, our, our children's ministry team, our Thrive Kids team is, is imparting and, and, and discipling, imparting to and discipling your kids. You may, might, may not know this, you maybe heard this before, but we don't offer child care at Thrive Church. We have Thrive Kids, they're, they're in church. They're as much a part of, part of the church, and our team is at an age-appropriate, in an age-appropriate way, is imparting the truths of God's word and his kingdom and faith into their lives. But we recognize this as a church. We're not doing this in spite of you or instead of you. We're doing this in partnership with you as parents. See, because parents, you are the primary and first disciplers in the child's life. And that is worthy of great honor. What a blessing it is that God would, would bring children into our lives and then say, you now have not only the opportunity and the privilege, you also have the responsibility to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. And I believe of, out of all of the things that we can do for the Lord in ministry, that when we stand before him, one of the greatest things, one of the greatest blessings, and one of the greatest places of reward will be the process of raising our children in the ways of the Lord. It is our first and primary ministry within our home. Is why when Paul again addresses the requirements and the qualifications for leadership in Timothy and Titus, the, the, where he starts is with the family, with the marriage, and with children. He continues in 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 15, Writing again to Timothy, he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. Again, a reference to Eunice and Lois. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then Paul goes on to write about the power of the word of God in our, in our lives. But he starts here and he says, again, when you were a baby, 
when you were young. Now, now some, some commentators and some people would say, well, he's talking about the infancy in Christ and his relationship with Christ. But we already know this. He met Jesus when he was a kid. So, so it's the same thing. From when, when Timothy was a baby, these two women were imparting and declaring and speaking over him the truth of who God is, the testimony of Jesus Christ, the power of God's word. For them, that would have been the Old Testament because they didn't have what we have as the Bible today. But they were faithful with the tools that they had to impart that to Timothy. And then he says, what's happening in your life, what's continuing to happen right now, is because of what happened then. And I tell you, it's never too early. It's never too early to start investing in your child for those of you who maybe have babies, have infants, especially for those of you who go, well, they're, they're nonverbal, they're not talking yet. That's okay. Play a ton of worship music, read a lot of scripture as much as you can. We even believe in, in something we would do, um, not necessarily me because I don't sing that great, but, but, but we have friends that would sing to our children while Megan was pregnant with them. We had friends that would come to our house and, and they would hang out and then would read Bible stories to her tummy. And you go, well, that's kind of, no, you know, I, it's, I believe that, they can, that there's something that's a declaration over their lives from infancy and from birth. It's never too early to get in that habit. Can I also tell you this? It's never too late. Maybe you're the parent or mom of adult children. And you can pray and you can, you can declare scripture over them. Maybe they're not even geographically close to where you are. But you have a place of authority in your child's life that doesn't go away. It changes... But I know this, a large part of the reason that I am where I am today is because of the faithful prayer of my mom. In seasons when I wasn't even living at home, but I knew my mom was praying for me. Your prayer is powerful and effective. It's never too late. And so please don't walk away from this morning going, well, I missed that opportunity. God's bigger than that. He is way bigger than that. It's never too late to start imparting those things. And there's, there's ways you can do it. I'm going a little off script this morning, but I feel like we just need to visit this. Notes of encouragement with Scripture go a long way. A little email that just says, hey, I'm praying for you. Or a text message that says, hey, you are on my heart today. I'm praying for you. can go so far. Declaring and reading Scripture over your children so powerful and so impactful. So back to Ephesians chapter 6. Paul says, obey and honor. And then he says, honor your parents, honor your father and your mother. First command with a promise. And then he gives us what those promises are. He says the first thing is this, so that it may go well with you. And then the second promise is this, that you may enjoy long life. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I read the second part of that and I'm like, huh? How, how does honoring my parents extend my life? <laughs> right, that could be part of it. I think there's, there's a more biblical <laughs> meaning. So let's, let's be reminded real quick. The meaning of honor is to value to esteem, to respect, to treat favorably, 
and to have a high regard for. So as children, now the focus is on children and our response to parents and how we posture ourselves to our fathers and to our mothers. And so, of course, it's Mother's Day, so specifically moms, but, but both. So that it may go well with you. Simply put, people who cannot honor their parents will struggle to honor anyone else. If you can't honor the, par- the people that raised you, and provided for you and cared for you, you will have a hard time honoring anyone else throughout the, the rest of your life. That's, that's a tough statement, but I believe it's a true statement. And so God knows that if we get this right, if we get this as a part of a, who we are early on, that it will have incredible impact in our lives for the rest of our lives. A lack of honor will always lead to a difficult life. If you can't honor your friends, you're not going to have a lot of friends. Or there's going to be a revolving door of friendship in your life. If you can't honor in an educational setting in school, you're going to be spending a lot of time with the principal. Amen? Right? In my day, it was more than just time with the principal because I lived in a different era. And there was a lot of correction and the use of a rod and all of that wonderful stuff. But a lack of honor in a school setting doesn't, doesn't go well. A lack of honor in relationships and dating and courtship and in marriage does not lead to a healthy marriage. That we're called to honor, and Fat Paul writes that husbands and wives, that we're called to honor each other. And he writes about that quite often. Again, even here in Ephesians is a place where he addresses the fact that we're supposed to honor and respect each other. Honor in the workplace. If you want to stay employed, you need to honor those who are in authority over you, right? Otherwise, well, go find another place to work. And and that's just the reality of it. Honor in church. This is a sticky one, can be a sticky one, because I think we've bought into such a a, a consumer mentality in church that it's more about me than it is about me honoring other people, honoring those in authority, but honoring the, the members of the body of Christ. And I believe that one of the reasons that we so much see so much division and divisiveness in the body is that we don't know how to honor each other. And definitely, if you're not honoring someone, you're not going to love them. Those two are really tied to each other. And then, of course, and this is one that we see so blatantly in the world around us, that we're called to honor those who are in, uh, in authority over us in the government and civic authority. Can, can I say this again? You can disagree without disrespecting. You can disagree without disrespecting. It seems like in our nation that has gone out the window. And whatever you want to say just goes. And I just keep thinking, as even preparing for this morning, I kept thinking, man, every time I'm on, 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 on Facebook or watching the news, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of, lot of kids who had some gaps in their, 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 in their parenting when they were kids. 
We don't have the option to honor or not. God says this is something that we need to do. In fact, if we honor, it will go well with us. There's a blessing and there's a promise of blessing that's attached to it. If you will learn to honor, things will open up in your life. Doors will open. Relationships will open. And it will be a lot less like pushing against the wind or pushing against a force in your life. By the way, this is pretty easy and important to gauge. First of all, if you want to know if you're struggling in the area of honor, just check out your own attitude. You know what I'm talking about? Like that, like that, you know, just that bad attitude. How quickly do you arrive at a bad attitude in regard to the people that are around you in your life, starting in your home and working out from there? How easy is it for you to blame People who blame a lot generally don't honor much. Everyone else's fault. It's that person and that person and that person. But personal responsibility is lacking because I don't have to honor anyone. For those who are not teachable, people who don't honor are usually not going to be a place where they can go, hey, would you invest in my life? Usually because those teachers won't stick around long enough. They'll be like, no, you're sorry. And then discord. Is there a propensity towards discord and divisiveness? The good news is this. It can be corrected. It's not easy, but it's not impossible. God calls us to check our heart. In fact, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to have childlike faith. And I believe a part of that is not just like we'll believe anything. I think that sometimes we're like, oh, because children just don't know better. Am I right? Like this idea that childlike faith is, oh, they just don't know any better. That's not what God is talking about. That's not what Jesus was saying. There is a trust and an understanding that those in authority over a child will take care of them. It's the little boy standing on the edge of the diving board and the dad in the water saying, jump, I will catch you. And that child going, I know you will because I have no reason to believe that you won't because you're my daddy. And so I'll jump. So this childlike faith is something that God says, I want to I re-stir that up. I want to reignite that in your hearts. And so we need to check our hearts. And we need to check our hearts, especially as it relates to our parents. Now, I understand this. That when it comes to parenting relationships, there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of brokenness. I get to pastor people through a lot of different situations and circumstances, and, and some of them are so difficult and heartbreaking, and I know this. They break the heart of God as well, and there is no excuse for abuse and neglect and pain. We don't explain those things away, but we also need to make sure that we don't give the enemy a foothold. See, God gives us space in our hearts to recognize where there's painful things and difficult things, but he actually never gives us the place to say, because of the hurt, you now have place to dishonor. And so we can process those things together so that the enemy doesn't get, get a place that he doesn't deserve and doesn't need in our lives. We can simply do this, and we need to do this. We need to ask God for his help in this area. As we check our hearts in regard to how do we feel about our own parents, it'll tell us a lot 
of the work, about the work that we need to do in our own hearts. And definitely seek accountability. If you're struggling in that, find someone you trust and have a conversation and talk that out with them. Romans chapter 12, two, verse 2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. And there's a lot of patterns of this world. People offend you, just cut them out, cut them off, walk away. That's not the pattern of God's kingdom. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That God gives us the tools we need to bring healing to our own hearts and our own minds. The second promise is this. Paul says, in quoting Exodus, he says, you, that you may enjoy long life, and we'll finish with this this morning. Current research is telling us this as we study why people are living longer. And of course, there's always like the, like the grandma who's like, I, I eat dark chocolate and drink a glass of wine every day, right? <laughs> That's why. And like, if that was the reason, like, you know, there'd be lots of people rejoicing and dancing in the streets. But the reality is, that is not the primary reason why people live long lives, What they are finding now is this, the number one reason that people live longer lives is because they are connected to other people in healthy relationships. If you are surrounded by people that you love and honor and cherish, and you have people in your life that honor and cherish and love you, you are more likely to live a long life. Now, here's the thing that's not surprising. God already knew that way back in the Old Testament. What he's saying is this, if you live, if you posture your life in the most important first relationships of your life, your mother and your father, if you can learn to honor them no matter what, it will affect your relationships in such a way that you will live your life surrounded by people who care for you, and the result of that is that physically you will live a longer life. It's taken science thousands of years to catch up with what God already knew. A lack of honor will always lead to a lack of relationship. A lack of honor will always lead to a lack of relationship. And as we know at Thrive Church, it's all about it's all about relationship. We see it in, the, in, in God. We see it in the Trinity that the, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in perfect relationship with each other. And he calls us to be in relationship with him and relationship with one another. It's all about relationship. Isn't it amazing that this promise, this first command in relation to, in regard to our relationships with each other comes down to this. If you will honor those first relationships, it will affect every other relationship And if you can do that, it will go well, and you will live long. Isn't that a great promise? So in closing, here's what I love about that. The first place, the first place that happens is with a mom. I remember the the day that Micah was born. In fact, I remember the day every one of my kids was born. And as soon as that child was delivered and cleaned up, and swaddled, the first thing that the nurse did before they handed Micah to me was they took him and placed him on Megan's chest, right by her heart. 
And I saw that bond. I recognized that Megan and Micah and each of the other kids, that they had a unique and special bond that I would never have. And I, and I didn't begrudge her. I celebrated that because I have a bond with my kids that she doesn't have. But I saw in that moment this precious picture of connection, of relationship that I think so reflects the heart of God. Moms, you're amazing. You are worthy of honor, just like Lewis in unison in the New Testament and all the moms throughout Scripture, that you are worthy of honor, not just from me to you and from our church to you, but I believe God would say, I honor you, that the Lord honors you. So thank you for your investment in your children. Can we stand together as we close? Father, this morning, we once again say thank you for our moms and for the impact and the nurture and the shaping that has taken place in each of our lives. God, this morning, I ask for those who maybe when it comes to motherhood, whether as a mom or as a child, there may be hurt and brokenness. Thank you, God, that you see that hurt and that you are not only able, but you are desiring to minister healing in those places. And God, I pray that as the body of Christ, that we would commit ourselves to walking in a way of honor. As with this morning, Lord, that it would not just be lip service, but it would be the way that we posture our lives. I pray that we would commit ourselves to doing the hard work and making the investments, Lord, to be an honoring people. Lord, even going to those places where we need to restore relationships and humble ourselves. God, we want to receive the fullness of what you have for us. So thank you, Lord, that you give us clear direction and clear instruction all the way back to the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament and to this morning, God, on how we're to posture our lives in relationship to each other. God, we pray a blessing over the moms and the grandmas in this place today. I pray that they just have an amazing day with their families, Lord. For those who are maybe separated by distance, Lord, from their kids, uh, Lord, I pray that they just would feel that, that bond over the miles, Lord, that your spirit would just be with them. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.